Galaxy Podcast. Hello and welcome back to Geldesy Pod. I'm your host, Jeff El Campione Geld, here with my magnanimous brothers in Geldesy, the Kamish, Noah Geld, and new homeowner, home builder, Mr. Homegrown himself, Zach Geld. Welcome back to the pod, my, my, fellow, my fellow hosts. Thanks, man. Great intro. Well done. Welcome back. I should say today's episode is sponsored by... Dots homestyle pretzels. Because if it isn't dots, then what the fuck are you doing? Am I right? I love dots. I found them randomly at the grocery store one day and I was like, wow, these are fucking bomb, first of all. And then I got a call from Dot herself and she was like, hey, I'd like to sponsor the pod. So Is Dot a first name or a last name? First name, Dot, like D O T. Have you tried their cheese curls? Uh no, I have not tried their cheese curls. Max Fisher, have you? I have, and they're great, yeah. You're not living until you have Dot's cheese curls. I should say, we are joined today by a very special guest, very special guest, Max Fisher, a.k.a. Turd Ferguson, a.k.a. the Scratch-Off King, our fellow Guardian superfan and Tulsa native, one of the OGs of Geldesy Baseball, Max Taylor. Welcome to the pod, my friend. Thank you. I, I hope this podcast finds you all happy and healthy. It's about time. It's about time. That's all I can say. I agree with that. And it's 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 not intentional that it took us this long to have you on the pod. I think part of it was that I wanted to get the pod in a place where we felt like it was of a level that would meet your your expectations. And I feel like we're we're there now, right? Of so Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this is an international podcast now. Right. So. And we have sponsors. We have people listening. I, I just don't do any podcasts. Wow. So wow. Was- okay. So I, I'm I mean, we all feel very privileged to have you on. Um, so today we're going to be talking about a few things. Obviously, it's been a while since we've done a podcast. One, it was the off season. So what the hell are we going to talk about? Two, I had a baby. His name is also Max, which is kind of cool. Well done. Zach built his own home. He now lives in, which is beautiful. I've been there. It is gorgeous. And I'm envious of it. And I won't go into full detail. But today I had a massive situation that I wish I had a brand new home. <laughs> and I don't. Uh, and Noah also just moved into a new home literally this week. It's happening. Uh, which is also very exciting. Max Fisher, bring us up to date. What's What's been going on with you over the over the offseason? Anything that you'd like to share? Uh, no, just, just been working, doing my thing. Uh, enjoyed football season. Nothing, nothing like you guys. No babies, no new homes. So I've uh, just been living life, having fun. So I love it. So today we wanted to just do a couple of things. Uh, we wanted to kind of recap the 2022 Geldesy season and and just kind of see where we landed uh, and a few takeaways from the season. We wanted to take a look at next season and preview what we uh, all expect to be a very competitive season as it was last year. Uh, and then we'll go over the Major League Baseball League cha- uh, rule changes. We'll talk about that a little bit, and then we'll get in a little more in-depth with Max Fisher and see what's going on with him, and, and we'll, uh, we'll ask some very prying questions and see what, what comes of it. Um, so I, I just want to start with 2022. I mean, I, I liked the season. I thought it was a fantastic season. I should say I think there was eight or nine teams that were in contention all the way up until the playoffs, uh, which – 
is I think probably partly because of the change in how many teams make the playoffs. Uh, so you had fewer teams kind of giving up early and trading away players and trading away draft picks. And partly because as this endeavor that we call this journey that we are, Galdasi moves on from year to year, things just get a little bit more competitive. So if we show a final standings of last year, the, the teams that made the playoffs coming in sixth place was Dan Sabe. Fifth place was the Kamish, which I think we all thought maybe Noah would do better than fifth place considering the spectacular draft he had. Uh, but maybe he can talk about that more. Uh, fourth place was the former champion, Max Barton. Third place was Adam Schneeberger. Second place was Brandon Hart. First place was yours truly. And I think that we can all agree that I traded away a lot to make sure that I ended the season in first place. Um, and fuck it. I'll take it. I, I think few people know, Jeff, that, you know, Barton had won one more year. It automatically triggers a league shutdown. Right. Like, if someone wins four years in a row, the whole league collapses upon itself. So, thankful that you stopped that from happening. Yes, in a 10-team league, I think the, the, the it was three years in a row, but in a 12-team league, it's four years in a row. Uh, if the same team wins four years in a row, we, we yeah. shut down the league, um, and we call it a sham. But fortunately, I was able to prevent that from happening. The final standings of the playoffs were me in first, Brandon Hart in second, Schneeberger in third, Max Barton in fourth. Um, I also wanted to just quickly talk about, I took a look at the standings for each category at the end of the season, and I thought it was very fascinating to look at who was kind of leading each category and how many categories each team led and what that resulted in. So just kind of real quick, <laughs> it's interesting to see how many categories Max Barton was either went, either led or came in second in. So in, in overall runs, Barton took the sp top spot. Home runs, Barton took the top spot. OBP, Barton took the top spot. And RBIs, Barton took the second spot. Um, which, you know, to me is interesting. I think that maybe if this was a rotisserie league, we see Max Barton as champion last year. Um, it is not a fucking rotisserie league. So that is good for the rest of us. But that was just offense. And then and if you look at the pitching categories, it was kind of all over the place who was leading each category. Max Fisher actually came in uh, first in ERA. Um, so I, I, I'd be curious to know, uh, Fisher, like, how did you feel about your pitching last year? Did you make it a priority? Um, was that something you were following on the waiver wire? Like, kind of catch us up on that. Yeah, I definitely made pitching my priority because I felt like it's not so much going into this year. I don't think pitching is going to be as important. Uh, but for me, it was so I had and getting Spencer Strider really helped. But I had, I mean, I had Corbin Burns, Carlos Rodon, Spencer Strider. I picked up uh, Logan Gilbert, I think is his name. So, yeah, uh, pitching was definitely my strength for sure. No doubt about it. My offense I struggled with, but yeah, I prioritized pitching. Are these guys that are, did you draft most of these guys or are these guys you picked up along the uh, way? So, I'm going to keep Strider in the 12th round. Uh, I think Rodon's an eighth round draft pick for me. And Corbin Burns would be first round, which I would have to take with the fourth selection, which I'm leaning towards not doing. But also, if I did keep him, I would have like Burns, Rodon, Strider. I, I, and I wouldn't have to worry about pitching pretty much the rest of the way. It's interesting you say that because I think, I think I, at least I know that I have a pitching heavy strategy going into the next season. But um, you mentioned that pitching you don't think is going to be as important this next season. Why do you say that? 
I think there's more quality of just like the middle tier pitchers. And I think with the juiced ball not being in play as much anymore, you're not going to see. So like you need those pitchers that would strike out a lot of guys. So it wouldn't even put the ball in play. Like if it was a fly ball, I mean, there's a good chance it was going to be a home run. And like, I think 2019 was the peak of the juiced ball, 2018, 2019. And so I don't think you need those guys that miss bats as much as you do now because there's going to be less home runs. Do you think the uh, lack of starting pitching limit will affect the starting depth this year? It's a good question. So even with, I knew the rule last year, obviously you could, it was 12 was like, it was like a gentleman's agreement, but you could go over 12. Like I was aware of that. I still, even if I tried a bunch of starting pitching, it was really hard to get to 12 starts. Even with like your five, six guys that you always started, it was still difficult. And then I would always usually have at least two relievers in there for saves and maybe one guy that was like a setup guy, but he just had great like strikeout ERA whip ratios just to kind of like lower that number even further. Like he might not even get a save, but he had just such good numbers that it it was beneficial. So I think I wouldn't get as many quality quality starts is really hard to get. I wish there was some way to kind of change that, but I don't know what a quality start would be. If it would be like five innings, two runs. So I would just kind of go for K's ERA whip and saves would be my big, big thing. Quality starts because like Carlos Rodon, he would get to like 90 pitches, 95 pitches through like the fifth inning. And you're like, Oh, I don't know if he's gonna, if he's gonna go six. Same with Spencer Strider. Since he was young last year, it was hard for him to go six innings. I've been reading about Grayson Rodriguez, the phenom for the Orioles, the like number one pitching prospect. And I read the Baltimore, he's maybe going to go like four or five innings at the most throughout the season. So it's going to be hard for him to get a quality start. Just He says to- as he takes them in like the 18th round and he starts, yeah. he ends up throwing 150 innings pitched, right? So I would just try to punt that because I get real frustrated. I had so many guys get taken out with two outs in the like sixth inning. So you get that five and two thirds and you're just so annoyed. It does seem like it's it's much more the length than the runs earned. That That is really the thing that gets people because trying to get to that sixth inning. Yeah, it's like the way that bullpens are structured now. Um, there's just so many specialty pitchers and, and so many guys there. That's like, yeah, like guys get pulled in the sixth inning constantly. Um, and when this stat was created, right, I don't think that there was nearly the amount of that going on. Um, and so totally, yeah. I do think it would make sense to shorten it, even if it's like a weird thing where you shorten it to like five and a third, right? Like, I know that's not an even number, but if you get five plus with three or less runs, maybe two or less runs even, to me, that is a quality start because now you're handing it off to your bullpen where you want to hand it off to your bullpen and you're not having to reach. You know what I mean? I am going to play the other side here and say I still think like the go-to category when it comes to pitching for like most people is like wins, right? Well, I would say most players have more quality starts than they do wins. So huh, That's an interesting... I, I don't know. I mean... I, we should look that up because I don't know if that's true or not. I'm pretty sure it's um, true because like Zach had two people that had 21 quality starts on his team. And how many players actually won 20 games this year? Yeah. I think Kyle Wright was the only one that had over yeah, 20 I think wins. Kyle Wright's the only Maybe. one that got there. I think he had 21. Yeah. That's interesting. 12th round keeper. 
yours truly. <laughs> I also think that um, when it comes to pitching this year, you're going to see better pitching sooner because this is the first time in how many years they're having a full spring training. Like no COVID, no no lockout. Like we're the, we're there when we're supposed to be oh. there. We're getting our. I mean, I really think pitchers like like you know I know the Guardians, so I know pitchers like Bieber rely heavily on getting their full spring training in. And he would say last year he didn't feel like he was in full form until the middle of June because of the innings he was getting pitched to competitively. So I think the more you know, the guys could fit their structure to this full spring training. I think you're going to see better pitching sooner, which adds to his point. There is WBC this year, though. Ooh, there you go. That is a wrinkle. Correct. That's so interesting. There's all. It, it seems like these last three, four years, there's always been something. You know, and then you also have to factor in the rule changes, which we'll get to later, but like, you know, the, the pitch clock, which is going to kind of add a little bit of stress and pressure to a pitcher. The the limit on how often you can step off the bat, uh, the the rubber. There, there's going to be some other variables that come into play that I think are going to kind of throw pitchers off. But it also could force a pitcher into a rhythm, right? Where you know someone like James Karinchek, just because we know him, like I've heard throughout spring training, like he's been pitching really well. It's still early, obviously, but um, he's been practicing kind of the quick pitches, and it's like you know. You watch the guy, and if you have 30, 40 seconds between pitch, inevitably you're going to kind of be off your rhythm, even if you think in your own brain, like, this is what I need to do. Um, it's going to be super interesting to see what happens. But we'll get that. We'll get to that later. We'll talk all about the rule changes um, and how it's going to impact uh, each position and each category. But um, just to finish off my little bit about the 2022 season, I was just kind of very proud about my season last year. I mean, every year I go into the draft trying to create the most balanced team that I can. And to me, that means being the middle of the road in every category, not being at the top or the bottom of any category. And it's funny that the last last year is the year that I won, and I feel like I I hit my goal. Um, so I just real quick, like in runs, I came in sixth. In home runs, I came in sixth. In RBIs, I came in fourth. In stolen bases, I came in sixth. In OBP, I came in fourth. K's third, quality starts first, saves fifth, ERA sixth, and whip fifth. So I was not below sixth place in any category, nor was I above, I guess, fourth place in most categories. Um, and I feel like that's something that people miss a little bit sometimes is like they'll draft early for, you know, a few categories. They'll draft power or they'll draft, you know, aces, you know, top quality starters early in the draft. And I guess if there's one thing I could say that worked for me last year is definitely trying to create a balance. Also, what worked for me last year is my trades. And I know that's controversial. I know that Max Barton isn't a fan of it. I know that Schneeberger thinks it's stupid, but I traded away a lot of my draft picks that so that I could, you know, better my team. Um, when all is said and done, I traded away my first, third, eighth, and tenth round picks. And in return, I got Vlad Jr., Gavin Lux, Tyler Anderson, Nick Castellanos, Kyle Gibson. And then Nolan Arenado and Trey Turner, which were the kind of the big pieces for me. Um, and yeah, I'm going to go into this season without four, four of my top 10 picks. But as I said in the Telegram chat, I personally think that draft picks are a bit overrated and that your next year's draft picks should be used more as currency than they are now. It's amazing to me that the only other person that traded away a draft pick last year was Zach. Um, and I don't know, like that's... I traded four draft picks. 
I received draft picks. But that's what I mean. Like, you were the only other team that focused on draft picks. You received them. I gave them away. Who did you receive picks from? Uh, Noah and Barton. And I, if I recall, they were kind of middle, middle of the road picks. I know, Noah, you got a second round pick. Yeah, I got a high third rounder, <laughs> but I feel like I should have gotten more. But yeah. yeah, I got as much as I could since I had a horrific year last year. Well, I just wanted to talk about quickly one more trade and then I'll move on to something else. But uh, on July 23rd, I traded uh, Gene and it was a controversial trade. I traded him Jeremy Pena, Taylor Ward, and my third round pick. And in return, I got Vlad Jr., Gavin Lux, and Tyler Anderson, which I think if you look back on that trade now, that is an incredibly fair trade. It was not lopsided whatsoever. And if anything, if anything, Gene potentially won that trade. But at the time... can't say he won the trade when you won the league. <laughs> and Vlad clearly helped you win the league. But that's not true. If you look at that, if if you look at that trade as a monolith, as its own thing, um, Gene got at least one keeper, late round keeper, and another additional third round pick. And I basically got Vlad Jr., which yes, is a good is a good get. But I think that he's there you go. I don't know, maybe it's fine. It was an equal trade, in my opinion. Yes, I I yeah, I won I the league. I think it's crazy for you to say he won that trade. Fine, but at, at the time, Schneeberger said that he Gene may need to rethink this nonsense trade. And Noah said that this trade is way off. And I don't think that that was true at the time or now. There was a little controversy because I thought that Ward and Pena could be kept in the last round, but they couldn't be. They can only be kept in the 12th round. Um, so there was that little controversy. Anyway, that's my spiel. That's what I've got. I'm very proud of the the victory that I had and, and fucking come for me, baby. Come for me. Let's go. I think 2023 is going to be amazing. It's going to be obviously competitive, more competitive than ever before. We've got rule changes to consider. I feel like people are more engaged now than ever they've ever been before. I think about how engaged Arthur was on the conference call. That excited me. Uh, and, you know, like, listen, I'd like to see some new faces, some new names in that top five. Uh, so we'll see what happens. It'll be an exciting year. Um, draft is March 18th. Going to be a shit show. Going to be fun. All right, let's move on. To Zach, let's talk about some rule changes. Let's talk about MLB 2023. What you got? Yeah, there's some uh, major rule changes coming to Major League Baseball, mainly pitch timer, which just very quick overview of it. 15 seconds with bases empty until the pitcher has to release the ball and 20 seconds with runners on. So, if he doesn't throw it within 15 seconds, it's an automatic ball. And if the batter doesn't get in the box and is ready for the pitch with eight seconds left on the clock, then it's an automatic strike. We've already seen some instances of this in spring training that are very entertaining. And I'm not mad about it. Get your ass in I the box. I love it. Let's I go. fucking love it. Yeah. Can we just pause here and talk about this for a second? Because I, I personally love it. I think, Zach, what you're referring to is the Red Sox-Braves game that ended bases loaded, two outs. And now what? He's out. They have called strike three. Wow! This is mayhem! Oh! Automatic strike three called with the bases loaded in a tie. 
of the two strike strikeout. That's it. Two outs in the bottom of the ninth. Three two. Bases are juiced. And he wasn't alert in time. And they punch him out. Wow. That was a great one. Manny Machado, I think, is hilarious. After the game, he was like, yeah, I'm going to start a lot of at-bats with 0-1. It's like, bro, you just got paid $280 million. Get your fucking ass Oh, he's, a, he's also about to sign a $350 million contract, by the way. Yeah, no, he did sign it. It's yeah, official. Oh, he did sign it? Yeah. So my most interesting aspect of the pitch timer and all that stuff is the, what are they calling it? Break away from the rubber or something. Disengagement. Disengagement. So my favorite thing that's coming with this pitch timer thing is something called disengagement. So every at-bat, the pitcher has two disengagements available with a runner on base. So that means he can only step off twice. And doesn't mean he can't throw over as many times as he wants, but he can only step off twice. So he can throw to the first as many times as he'd like, but he can't step off reset. So what I think is going to be super interesting about this rule is the disengagement resets after every batter. And what happens if they do, like if they if they're already, it's a balk. Okay. Yes. So that's a free base. Does that apply to the hitter also? Could they only disengage twice? How many times can a hitter step out of the box? They can only call timeout once, I believe, in an at bat. Yeah, yeah. They, they, that's a timeout. They, they can step out as much as they that's, want. But... That's up to the discretion of the umpire, but it yeah. doesn't have to be granted. Okay. It's different. Okay, I got you. I'm with you. So it's just very interesting, especially for the pitchers that will be bleeding down the pitch clock. You're now giving the runner a countdown. So you have no disengagements. There's three seconds on the clock. The runner's off. So I'm super interested to see stolen base numbers at the end of this year. Can I say one more thing about the pitch clock? I'm sorry. Pitchers that like Mark Burley, who love to just get the ball and fire it back in, those are like my favorite kind of pitchers to watch. Because they get into a rhythm and they get into a sweat and they just pump the strike zone like no tomorrow. And I think it's definitely going to benefit pitchers like that that like to get into a rhythm. I think Bieber is another example of that. When he's getting into a rhythm, he's getting the ball and he's firing it right back in. And How does it affect them if they already No, do I think it? more people, I'm saying it's not going to get, the pitch clock isn't going to bother them at all because this is the kind, this right. is what they like. So I'm saying that's the pace of play I like. So I'm excited to see that pace of play across the board and not just a pitcher here or there who likes to yeah, yeah that's what jeff said earlier yeah. all right cool so shift restrictions two infielders on each side of second base so there's going to be no more player behind second to to take away those shots up the middle and one of the things i'm most excited about is that we're going to get some more of the exciting defensive plays was thinking about like 90s Cleveland Indian baseball, Omar Vizquel, Roberto Alomar. Some of the most exciting highlights are those double plays they turn. That's so true. And those were have been eliminated with the shift. But I'm super interested to see, theoretically, they could bring the left fielder and station him behind second base. 
it's a huge gamble, but it could pay off. However, MLB now has the overarching right to make rule changes and adjustments without discussing it with the Players Association. So I think once we start seeing how teams are going to shirk the rules, these new restrictions, MLB is going to come and say, no, you can't do that. So I think that's going to be super interesting. And then part of the shift restriction is infielders will need both feet on the dirt as the pitch is released. I love that rule. So that keeps them in the closer to the bag, closer to the infield. I think we might start seeing more softball fields with all grass, which will be hilarious. (laughs) Take the dirt away. Now what do you even do? (laughs) But those are fun changes that we will see. And you know MLB teams are going to try to finagle and maneuver however they can. So I think that's going to be really cool to keep an eye on. And then the last major rule changes are the bases are going to increase in size. They're going to go from 15 to 18 inches in width. Right. So real quick, that actually equates to four and a half inches less between first and second and second and third, and then three inches less between home and first and third and home. So I don't know what that equates to in terms of time, but you imagine all of those bang, bang plays um, that happened in years past I mean, how many of those would have been called safe uh, if the bags were four and a half inches closer together? Uh, it doesn't sound like a lot, but you know how like in baseball, inches matter. And so, yeah, I think it's going to have like a, a big impact on, on stolen bases, just like you're saying. When they did this in the minors, successful steal percentage was 72%. So if you're running, you're probably going to get there. And it also reduced injuries, which we love to see. I'm super interested to see how this will affect those bang bang review plays where the player is safe but his foot pops up off the bag when he's sliding past and the technicality now he's out i hope it reduces that because that's some that's some bullshit that goes away from the the spirit of the rule in my opinion it's like he clearly took the bag so i'm excited to see how that turns out and I'm excited to see how Geldesi owners adapt and maybe look at potentially drafting more speed guys higher in the draft than we have in the past. Yeah, that's a great, that's a I, great, I, sorry, Jeff. I was going to say, no, do you ahead. draft speed guys earlier, maybe? Or do you assume that a guy that's like going to, usually that steals like 10 bases is going to steal like 15. So do you kind of, are 15, like 20. So you kind of, not prioritize steals as much because steals on a whole are going to go up. I think you're going to see players get drafted earlier than they would have. I don't think we're going to see more speed guys taken. I just think the reason why, like Julio Rodriguez is ADP five this year. I think because he's expected to get more steals is a direct reason why that is why people are drafting him higher. I also think a guy that's going to go from, like Max said, from 10 to 15, okay? Well, a guy, I also think you could see lots of guys go from 20 to 35. I think there's going to be, like, the top guys could make a big jump. Like, I'm curious to see, like, what's going to be the, what's going to be the, who's going to steal the most runs and what's that number going to be this year? 
So I have some interesting stats on this because they implemented this in the in the minor leagues last year. Uh, actually, at the end of 2021 uh, and for the full season of 2022. And if you look at the stolen bases in 2021 to 2022 in the in the minor leagues, 2021, there was 20,117 stolen bases. And in 2022, there was 24,917 bases stolen. So that's over 4,000 additional stolen bases and the really interesting part about this the really interesting thing to me is that if you look at the caught stealing numbers they've actually gone up a little bit well it makes sense more people are stealing so in 2021 there was 7111 and in 2022 there was 7956 because exactly what zach just said there's a lot more guys that are going to be attempting stolen bases because of this rule specifically and to address the question that Noah just asked uh, in terms of like what the top number is going to be in the league next year in terms of stolen bases, um, if you look at the minors from the last two years uh, when they implemented all these changes, uh, the number of players that got 20-plus stolen bases jumped from 161 to 220. The amount of players that got 40-plus stolen bases jumped from 14 to 42 the number of players that got 50-plus stolen bases jumped from 6 to 18, and there were five players last year that got 70-plus stolen bases compared to a total of two the previous three years combined. So that's kind of eye-popping. So, so a lot of these rules have been have been really pushed by Theo Epstein, who's now like a, a special advisor to the commissioner in terms of these rules changes. And it's interesting to think about the era that he grew up in, right? Like he came up in the when he was a big fan of baseball before he was into it. It's like in the '80s when you had guys like Ricky Henderson stealing in the '80s. You know, yeah. How many um, would Ricky Henderson steal with these new rules? Exactly. <laughs> and I think he's like that what led to offense. It led to excitement. It led to fun, you know, baseball. So I'm super excited about these. And I personally think that it's going to prevent people from reaching for stolen base guys because so many more guys like, like, just like you said, like guys that stole 10 to 15 stolen bases are going to move into the 20 to 25 category and guys that stole not many. I mean, I think about personally, like uh, Real Muto, JT Real Muto, on, uh, who I will reveal is going to be one of my keepers. You know, he he's a guy that that stole, I think, 15 to 20 stolen bases last year. Um, and he's going to bump up as a catcher. You know, he's going to benefit from this, not only because of the rules specifically, the fact that he's a catcher and he's going to kind of know a little bit more about, you know. But I think the thing that we haven't talked about yet is that this is going to put so much more importance on the catcher. And how the catcher throws out guys and handles the running game. I think what we're going to see a lot more of is snap throws to first base after a pitch. Because now you can't just bury the guy at first base from the pitcher. But as a catcher, there's no rule on how many times you can throw to first, right? right? Exactly. So I think we're, I think we see a lot more of that. And I think that we see the value of catchers with strong arms, even though if their offensive numbers aren't great, uh, go up because of this. Which is interesting to me just in the catcher category because with robo umpires around the corner, mm. pitch framing is going to be less important. Not less important, not important at all. It's going to go away. Right. So it's it's cool that catchers are, are still going to have a high onus even with losing that aspect of it. That's so. That's such a great point. I actually didn't think about that. But when I heard about the robo the robo calls, it's like, yeah, like that's like an art form, you know, that mm -hmm. oh, is going to go away. 
Yeah, and but now there's a whole new art form that's going to have to be put in its place. So I think it's going to be great. Zach, is there anything else you want to talk about in 2023? Or is that no, I think that's it's. I think it's going to be really exciting. And one of the things I'm most excited about is to see how MLB teams try to get over on the rules and then what MLB does to put them back in their place. And with games looking like they're going to be averaging around two and a half hours, let's That's fucking go. <laughs> it's so ready. true. I mean, my, my wife and I were talking about, we're both huge baseball fans, and like we were both talking about like two and a half hours. Like We kind of love a long game, you know, as like baseball fans. Like You kind of just like love having it on. Um, but you also want the solvency for baseball to be long, right? And so, like, you want people to be paying attention. So I get that. Part As somebody who works baseball games, I love it. Touche, <laughs> touche. Yeah, I can't wait to see a guy steal sixty bases this year. I think that would be super exciting, or at least a couple guys steal fifty bases. I could see it, man. When was the last time somebody stole sixty bases? I bet it's been a while. It happened in twenty seventeen. Oh, wow, that's recent. Can you name the player? In the NL. NL what? East. Trey Turner? That's, oh, Trey Turner. No, Trey guys. Turner had 43 the next year. This guy played for a team in Florida. For call? Was it for call? It wasn't for call. <laughs> for call? Was it for call? It wasn't for call. Raphael, for call. I'm just thinking all these old guys. Juan Pierre. D. Gordon. Oh, oh D. D. Gordon. Of course. Gordon. Yes. Strange Gordon. I'm hoping my boy Chaz Jism does it. Oh, are, yes. Uh, is, are you revealing a keeper? Potentially. <laughs> I could see four guys on the Guardians getting 20 plus. Oh, so, uh, Ahmed Rosario but... could steal 30 this year. I mean, he's still like 18. Yeah. I mean, who knows? He could be like a fifth. Uh, like Very a, exciting. Yeah, 30 stolen bases. A, a two, 280 right. batting average. Okay, so let's move on. Uh, everything's very exciting. We're looking forward to 2023. Um, as a reminder, I won 2022. I will remind you of that throughout the year uh, that I will be <laughs> I will be defending my championship. Um, but let's move on. Let's talk about Max Fisher. He's our guest for this for this program. And I don't know about Zach and Noah, but I have a list, quick list of kind of rapid fire questions. For, for Max Fisher, both personal and professional. And when I say professional, I mean Geldesy. Um, and I'd love to see I'd love to see what you have to say about these, okay? Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. I've never won Geldesy. So trying to change well, that. Well, listen, year. we need to change that. I've made I have made it to the championship game. I think I lost to you or Merck, but um... Well, you're not the only OG that hasn't won the league. So let's just put it that put it that way. Um, okay, here we go. When do you usually adjust your lineup or like peruse the waiver wire? Like what's your approach to that? I'm a night owl. So usually, uh, late, usually at night, sometimes the, the West coast games will be going on, but usually I do it at night. And then, um, again, before the game start, like the PM slate, but usually I do it at night while like the West coast games are going on, uh, and phone or computer. Computer. Okay. I, I I phone if I have to, but I just feel like their uh, interface is so much better on the computer. Okay. Than the app. Are you a left side, right side, or middle of the bed sleeper? Um, left side. Exclusively. Left side. Strong side. Uh, yeah, I think more more often than not, yeah, left side. I think I am too. Okay. 
Uh, I think because it's closer to the door and I'm an alpha. So that's So I like to protect people. No. Um, yeah. I, I guess I'm a left side. I don't know if there's a rhyme or reason to it, but yeah, left, left side. Okay. Um, favorite baseball movie of all time. Oh, great question. Um, Sandlot. It's got to be. That's mine, too. I mean, it just has to be. Major League's right there, but I think Sandler. Yeah. I really like um, 42, Jackie Good Robinson. Movie. I think that's a great movie. Uh, I like Moneyball. That's like one. That's like Moneyball's great. Yeah. I, I just feel like they they left out like um, how good their pitching was in that oh, movie. interesting. Like they had yeah. a real, I think Barry Zito might have won like the Cy Young that year or like Rookie of the Year. Mm-hmm. They had Mark Mulder and they had who else? I think they had someone else. Rich was Harden, just, right? Wasn't he there? He might have been there. It was, uh, but yeah, their, their like pitching staff was just incredible. That's what carried that team. <laughs> That's so funny. They never talked about it. Yeah, and you just think, oh, they had Jeremy Giambi and just this like Chris you know, Pratt, guy that never played <laughs> first base before. Pratt. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised you didn't say bench warmers. You seem like a bench warmers guy. <laughs> Big Artie Lang fan. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, I love Tim and Crashing. Um, he was really he was he was just a degenerate. Yeah. So I feel like he was playing <laughs> himself. himself. Show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that show was great. I love I that show. Come back. I love that show. Um, most you've ever won on a scratch off? Oh, not a lot, man. I think. Um, yeah. I actually did one the other day. I didn't win anything. I stopped recording them yeah. because. You, I win like I think fifteen percent of the time, yeah. something like that. It was just well, ridiculous. you're playing dollars. That those are low, low. Yeah, I think, I think you are Zach Vinmoed me fifteen dollars to buy a scratch off, and I and I like doubled up on it, won like thirty dollars. Okay, okay. And so I immediately bought a thirty. I was trying to make it a thing. You know, I think we were both trying to make it a thing where people would like send oh, you money. Like, I, I can try to. I can try to get it going again. I, I, I was. Uh, I was a fan. The thing with me though is did, I, I. My Twitter is very professional, like New York Times, and so I didn't want to like comment and stuff like that. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> Even yeah. though I should have. Like, Sorry, my friend. Um, DMs. Right. Uh, least favorite cocktail to make people. Oh. Um... That's a good question. Martini. People are very particular about the martinis. Even though it's like a simple drink to make, they'll never like let you know specifically how they want it. They just a little bit of vermouth, uh, gin, vodka. It's, 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 it's that's a very people are very particular about that. And the mai tai, mm-hmm. the mai tai is annoying because it's like eight, ten ingredients. Most of those tiki drinks, like mai tai, pina colada, just just annoy me i love that answer because it's just a lot max have you watched drink masters on netflix i've watched a few episodes of it it's so i've extra. watched a few episodes. i love it <laughs> it absolutely is i had a, <laughs> I, so i think i watched the first two or three episodes yeah hilarious like, no. <laughs> yeah i'm not so i'm not that pretentious about it so like as pretentious as those right. people like, yeah if it were up to me i would just be like here's a shot and here's a beer <laughs> you know I'm you don't not, call yourself a mixologist absolutely not <laughs> absolutely. you just you're putting you're putting alcohol together. It's not like some high art. It's really <laughs> I love that. Well, I mean, Subway guys are sandwich artists, right? I mean, people like to elevate their status <laughs> yeah. a little bit. You know what I mean? I have two more. All right. Um, favorite baseball player of all time. I think I can guess it, but go ahead. Yeah, who's your guess? Grady Sizemore? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Grady Sizemore. Yeah. 
He would have, he'd be in the Hall of Fame if it wasn't for injuries. I'm almost but positive. if it wasn't like, for his style of play, that wouldn't be for the injuries. So it's like kind of like a catch twenty two there. Yeah, I don't know if you read Zach Measle. He'd been doing like that. I did. Did you read his Grady Sizemore yes. one? Oh, it was excellent. Uh, Grady Sizemore, second favorite, Kenny Lofton. Uh, so very similar. I was going to guess Kenny Lofton. Do you like that yeah, speed Kenny, I love Kenny outfielder Lofton. kind of? Some about that. Yeah, I, like I wore number seven and wanted to play outfield because of Kenny yeah. Lofton when I was yeah. a kid. Just some of those catches he would make oh, ridiculous. ridiculous. And then Grady Sizemore could make those catches, and then he could also pop some like fucking bombs, thirty home runs, and get like fifty doubles. He had like three or four seasons of just studliness, and then he just kind of fell oh, yeah. because of injuries. Uh, all right, final question. This is the final question we ask everybody that comes on the show. Um, if you could change one thing about Geldesi, what would it be? Um, quality starts quality starts i really like our league um i like that it's pretty unique like i like on base percentage like that's kind of hard to find uh like it's a keeper league um like when you try to find rankings for like like for our league it's very specific so like you you try to use rankings like it's i don't know if like this player would be like rated this high like when you see rankings just because it's so different um but probably quality starts i guess i'd go back to wins but if we if if you could like move quality starts to like a sliding scale, yeah. I guess somehow change, like we kind of talked about earlier. Parameters. Yeah, like five, yeah. two runs over five innings, just because so many teams don't let pitchers go through a lineup three times. My argument is always it's the same for everybody, and so it's still fair. You know what I mean? Right. But um, I I I that's been like the common thread. Maybe we need to like reach out to ESPN. No, I, I think it's ver- just like I wouldn't. It's like <laughs> I th- I think our league's great. Yeah. If I had to change a rule, that's what it would okay. be. If there was something that I padded, like if I was commissioner, I would probably I might change it. Obviously, put it up to a vote, yeah, but it. I would. I don't think I've ever been in favor of quality starts, even when I think Alan Merck proposed it like ten years ago. It was a while it was. ago, but that's when we changed it. It used to be wins. Yeah, um, but wins is so hard. Like, well, wins I was is looking such a through, team category. Yeah, and I saw like um, Adam Simber, the former guard. I think he was on the Blue Jays last year. He had ten wins as a reliever <laughs> yeah, last a year. And it's just like I guess I would pick up Adam Simber just to get a like he had more wins than some starters. Hey, Jessman trying to bring in that middle reliever. Yeah, so. I'm curious about this. This the hold the saves plus holds like it. Yeah, or if you if you brought wins back, you would have some middle relievers on there, and they get. I, I would love to have middle relievers involved. Uh, Zach, do you have any questions for Fisher? I don't think so. Glad to have him. Yeah, good to see, you, buddy. Good to see. Starting you guys. the year off. Yeah, this was a uh, this was great. Um, Fisher, you are a great addition to the pod. We'd love to have you back on it. I'd love to love to be back. Thank you. All right. Well, that is all we have for you today, Max Fisher. Thank you. Sorry, Max Taylor as everyone knows you. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. I'm sorry it took us so long to have you, but you were great addition. Thank you for all the foresight and all the information you were able to provide. Um, we love you, and we wish you nothing but the best in this coming season of Geldesy. I hope that you flourish, my friend. I hope that you flourish. Oh, thank you very much. One quick question before I go, Jeff. Who had the hardest, who hit the ball the hardest in major leagues last year? Oscar Gonzalez. Oh, I love that. Uh, Vladdy Jr. Vladdy Jr.'s up there. He won 118. It was O'Neill Cruz hit a ball 122.4 miles per hour. Damn. I uh, 
I turned down a trade for O'Neill Cruz that I'm regretting now. He could be a monster. He, I think he strikes out a lot, but he's what like six five? Yeah, or he's, something he's crazy. Increased, like, super tall, real fast. He's like he's not a monster. Typical shortstop looking guy. Yeah. Who's your uh, most exciting sleeper pick this year? I don't know. That's a good question. I kind of like. Um, I feel like, well, since you're keeping Jazz Chisholm, it sounds like, <laughs> which I would do. Um, like O'Neill Cruz, if he was available, I have to see all the keepers. Yeah, I'm trying to decide about Jack Leiter. Yeah, I, I picked him up in time to keep him, but I don't think he's going to see much this year, unfortunately. Yeah, it's hard to keep someone on your roster the entire year, and then. Well, I was bottom of the fucking standings for so long that it wasn't hard. So thank you, Max Fisher. Thank you, Zach, as usual. Thank you to the commission, Noah Geld. And we will be back in short matter because we are going to be having a keeper special where we will be revealing the keepers for next season and we will be giving each team a grade. Um, So look for that. But until then, stay tuned, stay fresh, Stay gal to see, and as always, beat Barton. You did.